Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. Let's join Pastor Paul Carlson for today's message. Well, when we left off the last time I preached, we talked about this. We started this topic, and we're going to continue today about keeping our flesh under. All right, everybody went wild on that one. Keeping our flesh under. So we're going to spend another week, you know, dealing with the flesh. The flesh. Yippee. All right. Yay. <laughs> the truth is, the truth is that this is a, a principle. This is a, 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 the way it is that it'll, it'll help us walk in victory. God is for us rising up in life. No matter what you've heard about God, he's on your side. He wants you to overcome. He wants you to walk above and not beneath. He wants you to be the head, not the tail. And one way, one thing that makes a difference in in, in our life here on earth is us keeping our flesh under. Oh, wow, it just hurts even saying it. My goodness. I I, I want to read this scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27. Paul wrote this, this, uh, this scripture here, or he said this and, 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 and recorded this. He said this. He says, I keep under my body, and I bring it into subjection, lest by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. So what Paul was sharing here, you know, how many appreciate the Apostle Paul? I mean, he is like one of my heroes, you know? I mean, this guy, you know, he, he was knocked off his donkey by the light of God and got, got born again, you know, on the road there to Damascus. And, and you know, later in his life and ministry, he had, he had visions of Jesus. It says he was caught up into the third heaven and saw things that he couldn't even communicate with earthly words. I mean, that... Man, just does that give it to you or what? This is Paul. But here he's talking and he's given us some practical wisdom that he's had to apply to his own life that, help, that helps him. And he says this, he says, I, I keep under my body. I buffet my body. And in, in the New American Standard, he says, I make my body my slave. In other words, let me say it this way. Your body was not meant to rule you. Your flesh, your flesh is not meant to rule you. Now, when I was going to talk about this, I, I, I was sitting at my desk, and I made a list of some things I wanted to be sure to say about, about the flesh. So I'm just going to quickly go over that again. And, and number one is everyone has flesh, okay? You know, having flesh doesn't make you unspiritual or or less or anything like that. It's just everybody has flesh, okay? You know, we use it in a, in a, a bad way sometimes. Oh, you know, they're flesh ruled or whatever, you know, but everybody's got flesh. Uh, this is another thing you need to know is that your flesh is not the real you, okay? Your flesh is not the real you. The real you is a spirit being and, and, and it's the man on the inside. The real you is the, the, the person that gets born again. It's the one that was recreated when you received salvation. That's the real you. All right, another one is this. Is flesh, we all have it. It's not the real person. And flesh was never meant to dominate your life, okay? If the flesh is not the part of you that's meant to rule, Okay, you have it, 
but it shouldn't rule you. That's why Paul said, I make my flesh my slave. Okay, he didn't necessarily beat his flesh or you know, make marks in his flesh or whatever, but he said this, he recognized this, this flesh is not the real me, and I'm going to make it do what I want it to do. Uh, flesh, you're not going to rule me. All right, uh, I'll tell you this, I have, we have some friends that, that live in India. They've lived in India for, for seems like forever. They've raised their family over there. And, and uh, they've got three girls that, you know, are similar to the age of, of our girls. And when, a long time ago, we had them over at our house. And I remember they brought Barbies from India for Karen Casey. And oh, so rad. Wow, that was cool. They're the only ones on the block that had Barbies from India. Cool, and you're a girl, that's really cool. But uh, they had three girls, and, and the second girl, you know, they're, they're, they're not their oldest one, but the second one, she, she is a, I tell you, she's a feisty little girl, and she takes after her dad. And, and uh, she, um, well, they were telling, her parents were telling us a story that, that uh, Hannah is her name, and she, uh, she was in the grocery cart at a grocery store, and, and some person, you know, a guy just, just said some nice comment to her, and she looked at him and said, and she's just barely talking, you know, like, what do they talk to, two or three, you know? She looked at some, this stranger who, who said something nice to her, and he looked, she looked right at him and said, you're not the boss of me, <laughs> with attitude. You're not the boss of me. That, that'd be a good thing to tell our flesh. You know, our flesh, your flesh and my flesh, it has a voice, you know, and it can call out to you. You know, it can, it can try to dictate things to you. But, you know, it would be a good thing to say. It's flesh, you're not the boss of me. You know, it doesn't mean you don't exist. You're not real, but you're not the boss of me. So every person, both the most spiritual people we could ever think of, the Apostle Paul included, we all have flesh. We all have flesh. Now, if you do live by the flesh as a Christian, this is one thing I want to communicate. You know, say, say you know about the flesh and, and, and you're a Christian and everything, but you just say, oh, I'm just I'm not going to live by my flesh. Well, you know what? God still loves you. Did you hear me this morning? God still loves you. Even if you live by your flesh, God still loves you. You say, well, Pastor Paul, why would you ever say that to us? Isn't, that's just going to give people a license to just, you know, live, live bad and, you know, Go whoop it up, party it up, whatever. No, it doesn't. You see, the thing is, is that when people let their flesh, flesh dictate to them, the next thing that happens is a voice comes of condemnation and tries to squash them, tries to say, you know what? God doesn't even love you anymore. Now you're out beyond the grace. And they give up. And they just go and live however. The truth is this, that even in your darkest moment, God loves you. His love never stops. And by telling you that, that is power. That is power to be free. That's power to rise up. You know, beating people over the head with condemnation stick will never win. Telling people, don't do this, don't do that, it, it just doesn't, it won't cut it, you know. I mean... Most times when people have missed it, they know they've missed it, okay? And, and beating people up won't help them to rise up. But I'll tell you what, when God reaches out and shows his love, I'll tell you what, that gives you power. 
All right, you could, here's another one. Okay, can you handle these? I know I'm going through them pretty quick. You could live your whole life here on earth by the flesh. You know, letting your flesh dominate you and still go to heaven. Did you hear me? You could still go to heaven. The truth is, it may be the quickest way to go to heaven. Okay? <clears throat> you could. You could do that. But, you know, it could shorten your life, and it could make your life here on earth less pleasant. You see, when you live by the flesh, there's no satisfaction. In it. They even write songs about it. They can't get any satisfaction because you live by the flesh. I know that shows how old I am. But you live by the flesh and there's no satisfaction. The flesh is like this. You know, it tells you, man, if, 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 when you get to this place, when you do this, you're really going to enjoy. I, I remember this. When, when I was a young teenager, my fa one of my favorite um, rock and roll bands was this group called Led Zeppelin. You know, I don't know, you guys probably never heard of them, but, but anyway, I liked them. And you know, I, I well anyway, I'd, I'd, I'd gone to see them quite a number of times, and I remember one time they were going to come to one night in Minneapolis and one night in St. Paul, and I mean, we did everything we needed to do to make sure we had tickets for both nights, you know? And, and uh, you know, my friends and, and we, whatever, we, we covered both bases, and, and we got tickets. And, I mean, you know, we knew about it months in advance, and I remember just waiting and waiting for that night, you know? And I was like, wow, is that going to be good? We saved everything we wanted to do and just had it all there. And, and, and I'm telling you what, the night came. And I remember sitting the second night in, in the arena, you know, it was right in the place I like to sit for a concert, you know, and... You know, I'd seen them a couple times before, and I knew, I knew it was a good show and everything. But I just remember sitting there that night with such expectation, you know, and, and sitting there thinking, wow, this isn't quite as good as I thought it was going to be. How can that be? I mean, they played tremendously. It was a great light show. It was all this, everything I, I desired seemed to have. Because this, the flesh will always disappoint you. It'll always disappoint you. It'll always make it out to be, when you do this, it'll be great. And then you do it, and it's like, eh, it's empty. I couldn't even tell my friends that. I mean, I sat there and went, wow, that was good. Uh, yeah, nice. But I remember just thinking about it and thinking, wow. And it was, it was right when, you know, God was dealing with me. And, and um, you know, it wasn't shortly after that I got born again. Well, it was a while. Maybe a year later I got born again. But I remember just flashing back one night. Can I tell you this? I, I, drove, I was driving truck for the Billy Graham Association, and I had a really long day, and there was a church meeting that night. And, and all day long, you know, uh, I thought about, am I going to go to this church meeting or not, you know, and, and whatever. And, and, and it was a special meeting and all this. I mean, Jimmy Hockaday was going to be, no, it wasn't really Jimmy Hockaday, but... but uh, you know, and I, I finally, at the end of the day, I was tired. I wanted to just go home and whatever, but I decided, well, I'm going to go. And man, it, it, was, it was just so good. It was so good. And I remember thinking, wow, isn't that how it is with God? There's a struggle to get there, and you think it's not going to be good, and you get there, and it's better than you thought. <laughs> and then I flashed back to sitting in the arena with, with, with Zeppelin, and I thought, not that they were bad, but, but it was just like my flesh. My flesh lets me down. My flesh never delivers like it says it's going to, okay? 
So you could live by your flesh, you know, and you could still go to heaven, but you might be miserable and you might go there quicker than, than you thought. Turn over to Romans 7, and we're going we're gonna to listen to the Apostle Paul talk about this dilemma of the flesh. And in Romans 7, we're going to, you know, we could jump in in the beginning, but we're going to jump in at verse 15 when we start here. I remember years ago, you know, and, and it was when S Stephen here was just, uh, Pastor Stephen, was just getting saved, you know. I mean, he, he entertained me greatly in those first, you know, year or two especially. I remember one time I was on a series. You know, he, this guy, you know, he had no religion. He was just coming in green from the world, had gotten born again. And, and he was getting, you know, for a, a month or two, he was coming to church, and I wasn't really sure if he had gotten born again. You know, but then I remember seeing some things, some hunger and some changes going on inwardly with him. And I thought, yeah, he's bored again. That's cool, you know. And, and uh, I remember one time we did a series. I, I don't know which came first, but we were doing a series on faith. And I came home one night and he was sitting in the front room and he goes, hey, hey look at this. And he whips up his, his, his pant leg and he goes, look at faith. I got it tattooed on my foot. It says, in faith. Get it everywhere I go. I'll walk in faith. And, and, and I was like, my mind is going, whoa. Is that what he got out of it? Go get a tattoo? And then, and then, then we switched the sermon, you know, you know, series, you know how I am, doing series, to talking about love, walking in love. And don't you suppose I come home one night and he's sitting in, on the couch, he goes, look at this, look at this, in love. The other foot, you know. I'm like, wow, where am I going to, what am I going to preach next? <laughs> But I, I remember one night I was, I was laying in bed, and I don't know how we always time this, but I was just about to go to sleep, and the phone rang, and it was Stephen. And I answered the phone, and, and, and he goes, and you know, I, I enjoyed this because I love hungry people, you know, and he was just hungry. And, 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 and so this voice on the other end says, Shooter, Shooter. You see, they, they call me Shooter. And you say, well, why would they call you Shooter? Well, one, I'm a dad. And two, I had two daughters. So when my daughters got to the age where they were dating, I made very sure that every boy that came to the house knew that I had guns. <laughs> I'd leave them out, ammo on the table, you know, 30-30 shells sitting there. Hey, hey want to pick that box up? Come on, let's bring them down to basement. So they, they gave me the name Shooter. So I answer the phone this night, and, and, you know, it's like 11 o'clock or something, and, and he's, Shooter, have you ever read Romans 7? And, and it's Stephen, you know. He's, he's, he's going into territory that had been unexplored before. And, and I don't know exactly what I said to him in that frame of mind, but what I wish I would have said, and maybe I did, I don't know. I said, well, read through to chapter 8. But, but that's what we're going to do right now. In, in Romans 7, 15... You probably found that. I'm going to read it right in the King James because it's the version that, that twists my mind around the most in this passage, okay? And, and I like the way it's, it comes off. It's so wild. You know, he says this as Paul talking. He says this. Now, now, just listen to it. He says, For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. But what I hate, that do I. If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it's good. 
Now then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. For I know that in me, in parentheses it says, that is in my flesh, dwells no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. For the good that I would, I do not, but the evil which I would not, that I do. How about him? Come on! Has anybody ever been there? I mean, we've been there, haven't we? Now, this is spoken from, you know, one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. This is spoken from that guy that I talked about that, that fell off his donkey, that saw the light, that went into the third heaven and saw things that he couldn't even put into human expression and, and you know, had a relationship with Christ. But here he said, there's a struggle that I, I get into. It's called dealing with the flesh, okay? And where did I leave off? Verse 20 or so? He said, now I, if I do that, I would not. It's no more I that do it, but the sin that dwells in me. I find that a law, then a law, that when I would do good, evil's present with me, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with my mind I serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. All right, so, you know, first off, everybody has these kind of struggles. It doesn't mean a person isn't a Christian. You know, it just means that you're, you're normal, you're dealing with the flesh. And, and flesh, I mean, is, there's no end to it. You, you can never, you know, satisfy it. it just, it's going to always want more. And, 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 you know, what Paul describes, you know, it's like a, a person on a treadmill or a hamster wheel. You know, have you ever seen a hamster on a hamster wheel? They're actually kind of cruel if you think about it. They put a wheel in this cage where this hamster is. The hamster gets on and he runs like crazy, like crazy. He's just whipping and, you know, you sit there and you watch him and he doesn't go anywhere. And that's how Paul was feeling. He felt like, wow, what is the escape? How do I deal with this? What is the answer to the flesh? Well, like I said, you've got to read on into chapter 8. In chapter 8, he goes on, and the first thing he says is this. You know, there's, you know, and they didn't write these things in chapters and verses. You know, they did that for, for us to make it easier to reference. You know, did you ever write a, a, a letter in, in chapter and verse? I don't know if I ever wrote a letter that long that you needed to use chapter and verse, but, but this is what Paul did as he wrote a letter, and, and, and the same thought continues here as he tells the struggle that every person has with their flesh. He goes on in chapter 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. That's the first thing I'd tell you in dealing with the flesh is realize again, there is therefore no condemnation to them in Christ. No condemnation. Again, this is not a license to sin. This is a license to be free. Okay? Knowing that, that God is not holding the, the sin of the world over your head, there's only one person that took on the sin of the world, and that was Jesus. Jesus did it for you and I so we could be free. What happens, man, you get on that wheel. I, I, again, I remember struggling, you know, and I, I use this example because it's one I got victory over. 
And, and, uh, but, you know, I, I, when I got saved, I used to smoke. And when I, when I got saved, I quit smoking some things, but I still smoked cigarettes, okay? And, and, and it bothered me because, you know, I didn't feel that that was socially acceptable in church. Why do you say that? Because I never saw anybody in church smoking. You know, I never did. I mean, spark it up on the front row and no. I, but one time, I got to tell you, there was one time I went to uh, this church service and the church that I went to. And at that time, you know, we were a newer church and we, we met in the, the uh, college, the technical college, you know, over, over in Brooklyn Park. And I remember praise and worship was, was going on. We had a great praise and worship uh, time, and, and the pastor's wife would always lead it, and she used an auto harp. I mean, that's, that's where we were at. She'd, she'd play with an auto harp, you know, and we just had great times going with God. But I'm sitting there, and again, I'm, I'm a fairly, you know, new Christian, relatively anyway, and I'm sitting there, and, and, and this guy about three rows in front of me, I saw smoke coming up from him. And I thought, and my, I told you, I was just totally pulling out of the spirit, you know? And, and I thought, what is going on? That guy is smoking. Ushers, ushers! There's a guy smoking in three rows in front of me to my left. And, and I thought, what? I've never seen that kind of stuff in church. Have you, Rob, have you ever seen that? I mean, hey. And, and, but there it was. I mean, the guy just sitting there, I think he even had his hands up, and I saw a puff of smoke come up out of his, you know? or at least one hand was up, and, and I looked, and you know, I just was into this whole fog for a, a, a matter of time. I just was like, what in the world? I was like, is this the twilight zone? I'm sitting here, they're worshiping, and there's smoke coming from this guy. Well, I mean, hey, well, I guess we're free, but you know, um, but then I looked up, and you know, we're, again, we're in, a, in an old uh, technical college, and I noticed there's right up above the door, it said, no smoking. And then I thought, well, surely that man can see that if he isn't looking at the words for the song. Could he see there's no smoking? And, and, and then, then it hit me what had really happened. is This is going back a, a couple decades, but there was this craze that was going on with breath fresheners where we'd move from the days of Tic Tacs to where it was all in this little aerosol can and what had really happened is the guy had taken this stuff, I don't know what it was, banaca or something like that, and he'd gone, and all of a sudden, whew, and he probably put too much in and, and a puff came up, you know? And, and, and the things that happened in church, you know? And, and uh, I remember one time, Dana's not here, so anyway, there was one time, I was, before I was even saved, I went to a church in downtown Minneapolis, it was a big church with a lot of hippies that went there, and I felt comfortable as much as you could being a hippie going to church and not being saved. And I remember just before the guy was going to preach, um, somebody blew their nose, and it just wasn't blowing their nose. It was, uh, it sounded like he blew a trumpet. You know, you know what I mean, how that can happen? Just the right, I don't know, and eh, and, 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 and that wasn't so bad, but because, I mean, you got to blow your nose, you got to blow your nose. But this little kid in front of me, just again, just I love kids, you know, this little kid in front of me looks at his mom and said, Mom, who's blowing the horn? Just as loud as could be. <laughs> I was lost the rest of the service. I, I couldn't handle it. It was too funny. But, but uh, so anyway, 
Uh, you know, I struggled with smoking for, for you know, you know, you'll laugh, but for, for months as a Christian before I realized, man, that God loved me so much. And it didn't matter, you know, if I was a holy smoker or what, but God loved me and he cared about me and, and that, that ended it. That ended it for me. You know, and I know we deal with all kinds of things. And, I, you know, we continue, you know, the flesh continues to manifest itself in new, new ways. But I'm telling you what a big key to victory is always going to realize that you're not condemned. God doesn't condemn you. There is no, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. Now, reading the King James going on, it says, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, I understand the thought of that because I tell you what, it, 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 walking after the spirit instead of the flesh will produce victory for you. But the truth is that that particular phrase is not even in verse 1 in the original. It's italicized. And all I can figure is this, that the, the translators of King James, when they, they came across the, the text for this, they're reading it and they said, wow, this, this is too good to be true. This is too good to be true. There's no condemnation to those that are in Christ. We got to add something to this. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. That, that makes it, I can, I'll tell you what, God is so good, he's better than we thought he was. God is so good, his, his love doesn't end. His love is there in every facet of our life. So in Romans 8, 1, it says, there's no condemnation to them that are in Christ. In verse 2, it says this, for the law of the spirit of Christ uh, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Here's the deal. The way to overcome the flesh, I'm going to just give you the punchline right now. The way to overcome the flesh is this, walk in the spirit. The way to overcome the flesh is to just get, get so full of God. I, I tell you, there's been a verse that's been coming to me all week. And, and it's, it's in James 4.8. And you know how it is? You're just sitting there minding your own business and this, this verse comes into your head and you start thinking about it. So I'm thinking about this verse and I go down in the basement this week one day and I look and Dana has these pillows downstairs and one of them has embroidered on it this very verse. It says, draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh unto you. In, in common English, it would mean get close to God and he'll get close to you. Push into him and he'll, he'll saturate you. You know, there's, that's not a real big, it's not rocket science. What's the equation for this? Well, draw near to God and then he's going to draw near to you. How do you overcome the flesh? Well, get tanked up on God. Get, get, get in the spirit. Let me go on. Here's the real you. Here's the real you. The real you is the spirit. The real you is the person that lives on the inside. And it's that person on the inside of you and I that when you get born again, gets recreated. And when a person gets recreated, when a person gets born again, on the inside of them, they're 100% new creature. Did you hear me? A hundred percent. On the inside of you, it's not, well, I got born again, but I also got sin inside too. No, you got born again. The Bible says it like this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone's in Christ, he's a new creature. The old person is gone and a new person is there. That's a conglomeration of versions. 
Um, the Jordan actually says it that way. It says, uh, therefore, if anyone is in a Christian, he's a brand new creation. The old guy is gone. Look, a new man has appeared. So inside you, the real you, is a new man in Christ. Now, when you get born again, 100% spiritually, you're, you're righteous. 100% spiritually, you're a new creation. But you as a whole are not 100% changed. What do you mean, Pastor Paul? What are you talking about? What I'm talking about is this, that you are a spirit, and you have a soul, and you live in a body. When I got born again back in the 70s, you know, I went forward at a, at a gospel meeting, and probably about 20 or 30 people went forward. And I went forward, and I was a young guy, and had long hair, brown hair, brown eyes, and when I went back to my seat, I still had long hair, brown hair, brown eyes. My body didn't change. As a matter of fact, you know, the only thing I can tell you is I went back to my seat and, I, 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 and inside I knew that God loved me and inside I, I just had like a knowing that I'd never really had before that when I died I'd go to heaven. And, and I was like, wow, whoa. But outside I still looked the same. I walked through uh, uh, the mall the next day Saw some people that I knew from school, and, and they said, hey, hey, Paul. They recognized me. Isn't that amazing? But I was brand new inside, but they recognized me. They said, hey, there it is. That's Paul. Look at that. And, and you know, I, I came home. My parents didn't say, who is this strange person? They probably did say, who is this strange person? But they didn't question. They didn't ask me for my ID before they fed me food. You know, they, they said, oh, it's, it's our son. It's Paul. You know, but inside I was brand new. All right, look at Romans 12. While you're turning there, can I read you another verse? Romans 6, 6. This is just so good, I just want to read it. And I'm going to read it in the, um, in the Arthur Way version. It says, This we recognize that our former self was nailed to the cross with him, that we'd no longer be slaves of sin. The person that you and I were was nailed to the cross with Christ. How does that work? I don't know. You know, it's like that old song that they sing. You know, Stephen sings it all the time. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Actually, I think it's Tennessee Ernie Ford that sings it, if, 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 you, if you really go back there. And it's this old gospel hymn. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? Well, who was there? None of us were. Except that in the eyes of God and by the identification with Christ, God saw all of us there. <laughs> That's a mind blower. But I tell you what, that's the truth. That is the gospel. So Paul said this, is that our former self was nailed to the cross with Christ, that we'd no longer need be slaves of sin. You got a new person living in you now. What are we talking about today? We're talking about putting the flesh under. I mean, you know, you can do like I've done and struggle and, 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 and you know, do this program and that program, but the key is this, man, draw near to God. Draw near to God. Feed your spirit and, and your flesh, you know, a flesh will be a lesser pull on your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. So our bodies, the unrenewed part of us is not meant to rule us. This is, this is the difference between living mediocre life on earth and dying and going to heaven 
and living a victorious life on earth and running your race, finishing your course, and then going to heaven and saying, yippee, okay? Here's the difference. In, in Romans 12:1, Paul says this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you'd present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, he says, present your bodies to God. Present your bodies, you know what, uh, as a living sacrifice. And then it goes on, it says in verse 2, it says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. All right, he says, there's a transformation that's available to believers in Christ. So there's a, there's a, you get born again, it's so radical. It's so radical. You get born again, the real you, the real you gets, wow, totally changed. Totally changed. You didn't get reupholstered, okay? You didn't just take an old chair into the shop and say, well, can we put a new covering on this thing, make it look good? You know, 50 bucks, huh? No, you didn't get reupholstered, you got made new. And I, I like to say it like this. You know, if your life was a chalkboard and all the failures, you know, in your life were written in chalk, you know, and, and, and all the sin that you ever had, it's all there. The sin nature, it's all there. You come to Christ, you get born again. You actually don't get a clean slate. What happens is the old slate gets broken, and you get made new, okay? Just so you think clear on this. So inside, all this radical stuff happens. You get born again. You get changed on the inside. But the thing is, is you're still in a flesh suit. You're still in a body, and you still have a mind that thinks the way it used to think. Transformation comes when you begin to change what's up here and make it think like what's down here, okay? When your head starts thinking like your heart, change happens on the outside. All right, let me, can I read you a couple versions? Philip's Bible says it like this. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold, but let God remold your mind from within. The world will always try to squeeze you into a mold and make you something from pressure from the outside. God doesn't do it that way. God's way is always to change the person on the inside and change comes from the inside out. Not from pressure on the outside, but change comes from the inside out. Here's the Kenneth Wiest translation. Kenneth Weiss, this is really good. He says, stop assuming an outward expression that does not come from within you and is not representative of what you are in your inner being, but is patterned after this age. Change, but change, change your outward expression to one that comes from within and is representative of your inner being by the renewing of your mind. So, really... To live by the flesh is not, the, is not letting the real you express itself, okay? 
Living by the flesh is allowing the world to squeeze you into its mold, and it creates unhappiness. Doesn't mean you're not saved, because you can be a miserable Christian, smell, stink, all that, and go right to heaven. Is anybody perfect? No one's perfect. Everyone is working on this. Okay? So here's the thing Paul's talking about here is renewing our mind. Renewing our mind. Now, I remember as a, as a new Christian, I mean, I was so green. I was like Stephen, you know. The, past, the tattoos weren't the thing when I got saved or I'd have had them on me. I'd have, oh, faith and hope. Oh, yeah. Goodness. Scary. Such responsibility. Oh, but um, I remember when I got born again, I, I went to this big church in downtown Minneapolis, and, and uh, the pastor there, he was a, a wise older guy. He was very funny. I loved him. And, and um, I remember going to him one time. I said, I've got to have a meeting with the pastor. And I, and I went in, and, and here he is. He's, he's just kind of a presence there in the room. And I said, well, here's what I need. I need you to pray for me. Lay your hands on me because I need to renew my mind. I want to, that's what I thought. I thought he'd pray for me and, and that my mind would be renewed. Because I thought, you know, I messed my mind up. I did stuff to it and stuff. You know, I'd renew my mind. Renew my mind. Well, you know what that, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't do that. And he, he was real kind to me, you know, and he just gave me a path to take. But you know what that is? If, if, if he would have done that, that would have been called, called, Laying empty hands on empty heads. Okay? That's what that would be called. Laying empty hands on empty heads. What would happen? Nothing. Because it doesn't work that way. Here's, can I, <laughs> you know, anyway, Jesus. All right, Jesus. This is what he said. Matthew 5. All right. Matthew 5. It says, you, in verse 13, he goes on. He's tell, talking here. He says, you're the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It's henceforth good for nothing, but it be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. Verse 14, he says, you're the light of the world. Say, hey, I'm the light of the world. I love that. Jesus didn't say he was the light, although he was. He said, you're the light. And then he said, a city set on a hill cannot be hid. And then verse 15, he says, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick so that it would give light to all that are in the house. And he goes on, he says, So let your light shine before men that they may see the good works, your good works, and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So here's the deal. When you renew your mind and you think right and you allow the inner man, the real you, to come out, I mean, that gives glory to God. That's the transformation that Paul was talking about. You know, it's not a, oh, I'm hard. No, it's just allowing this man on the inside you know, to start expressing himself. So Jesus said, this is how, how this would be, though. He says, how would it be if you got a candle? You know, and this is back in the day. This is before electricity. So he said, you took a candle and you lit a candle. You got a whole lampstand lit up, and then you put a cover over it. He says, you know what would happen? He says, there'd be no light. Even though there was light, no one would see the light because it's covered with a, he called it a bushel basket. Well, what it's like is this. When you get born again, you've got God in you. You've got life in you. You've got light in you. 
And, and well, I don't, I'm not looking for a bushel basket, but what happens is, is when your head still thinks the way it used to think in different areas, it's putting a bushel basket over the light of God, okay? What I say is this, it's, it's, you've got the life and light of God in you, but a dumb head will keep anybody from knowing it. What is a dumb head? A, I didn't call anybody here a dumb head, but a dumb head is one that thinks like the old creature. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying here? Transformation comes when you change what's going on up here. And you say, I'm going to start thinking like the man I am on the inside. And that, what that does then is it allows what's in you to get out. And people say, glory to God. People say, wow, that couldn't be Paul living like that. I know him, you know. They say, it must be God doing something. Thank you for listening to Liberty Christian Center's podcast. To partner with this ministry or for any additional information, please visit libertychristiancenter.org.